Hello, everyone, and welcome to the ranking of the stars. I fucking hate this movie. <laughs> I'm sorry. I tried to contain myself. <laughs> Let's just get out with it from yeah, the beginning. I'm not going to be able to hide it for even one second. Let's no. just rip the Band-Aid off. This yeah. is a podcast in which I, Jack Diolobobolic, and my lovely, luscious Legoland wife... Hi, I'm Emily Diolobobolic. ...watch in chronological order every single movie that has won the Oscar for Best Picture... And today's, air quotes, movie is... The movie version of Hamlet. Hamlet. Uh, alternatively titled, Rich People Have No Taste. <laughs> God. God. <laughs> I... <laughs> I despise... I despise... Everything about this on every level, I hate this movie. All right. One of the things I hate about it the most <laughs> is that I can hear the arguments... That the the hoity toity uh, fancy rich people would make in favor of it. Oh, I don't hear any of those arguments. Oh, it's just bad in so many ways. Can absolutely hear them in my head because this whole thing is just uh, goofy and silly. And their arguments would be, well, oh, yes, but we have a, a long and stored tradition of, of people writhing around on the floor and shitting their pants, and all these people do it beautifully. They're some of the best pants shitters of their generation. <laughs> All right, all right. Let's keep some of that for the end of the podcast, And too. I'm like, yeah, great. But hey, have you considered the fact that they're writhing around on the floor and shitting their pants? <laughs> to which they respond, well, obviously, there's a deep subtext here. This is going way over your head. Why, the, the shit is a metaphor for the duality of man. The darkness of the shit stain, it represents the open grave that we're all doomed to occupy at some point. Obviously, only those of us of the upper genteel class of society could possibly understand such a thing. Bah, 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 bah. <laughs> Fucking nonsense. <laughs> I wish people could just see you and the expressions on your face as you're saying all of this. It's so dumb and ugh, I hate it. Look, I get that in theater you have to overact mm -hmm. because the people up in the nosebleeds can't necessarily see subtle emotion but we're not in a theater this is a goddamn movie yeah <laughs> so the hammy overacting just uh, ugh <laughs> it's so dumb let, let, let's look at the poster <sighs> let's look at this poster ugh. it is uh it's Lawrence Olivier yeah. holding holding a sword you know yeah. inoffensive Compared to the other ones. Yes, on a, a like a bardo background. I just feel, I feel like you and I. It's the scene that happens in a lot of movies where like a happy couple is driving along in a car and usually talking about how much they love each other and mm -hmm. how they're looking forward to, to being alive and not dead. Yeah. And then out of the the passenger side window, you see a pair of headlights approaching uh -huh. at like ninety five miles an hour. That's what just happened to us with this movie. <laughs> Yeah, and the, I think that's a really good analogy. And the person at the wheel was Laurence Olivier going, Does not yon cloud look like a camel? Because <laughs> Shakespeare fucking sucks. <laughs> I don't know if we're going to make it through this podcast. And anyone who tells you otherwise is lying to you about other things too. Nobody <laughs> likes this. Nobody does. <laughs> Fuck off you like this. This is for people... <laughs> This, I, I think that probably even Shakespeare wouldn't like it. 
this is clearly just one of those things that people pretend to like so they can uh, appear to be more cultured and sophisticated. Look me in the eye, people who gave this in awards, and, and tell me you enjoyed this. Tell me what any of this means. I, they're probably all dead, and I think it's for good. <laughs> Ugh. So. What are the fun facts? <laughs> Let's move to the information about the movie first. It was directed uh, by Laurence Olivier. responsible? Yes, Laurence Olivier. Laurence Olivier himself. Yeah, this thing is just a big, stupid vanity project. Yeah, he did the screenplay also by himself, for which apparently he was not credited uh, at the end of the movie, but who cares? It was the second of three Shakespeare films that he directed. Oh I did not boy. even I did not even look up the other ones that that he did. I think one of them was As You Like It, something like that in nineteen thirty six, but I did not look the other ones because I was not interested. Well, hey, spoilers, just like uh, Martin Scorsese, every movie he makes is the same movie, every damn Shakespeare thing is the same. It's probably going to be the same. It was produced by a company called Two Cities. And it was distributed by Rank Film Distributors. So two Rank companies, is right. yeah, <laughs> two companies that were definitely not at the top of you know of the Hollywood game. No. The release date was May fourth, nineteen forty-eight, and the running time is one hundred and fifty-five minutes. One hundred and fifty-five minutes too long, in my opinion. One hundred and fifty-six minutes too long. <laughs> The budget at the time was 527,530 British pounds, and the movie made close to a million and a half British pounds, which is the equivalent of a little over $3 million. A lot of people pretended to like this. Yes. Yes. For characters and actors, we have Basil Sidney, who plays King Claudius. He's the younger brother of the late King Hamlet. We have... I don't think we ever get his name in the actual thing, although there's so much goddamn words being thrown around at any given second in this movie. They probably said it somewhere. Yeah, I think there's one scene in sort of the beginning of the movie when there's like a sort of a council. I think they say they call him Claudius, but it's very brief. The dialogue in this movie is like being in a tornado of 10,000 ping pong balls. <laughs> and... One out of every thousand is relevant to the plot, so yeah. you can't zone out. And it just go- it goes so fast. Yes, it just a lot of it. I honestly did not understand a lot of what was going on and a lot of what people were saying because they were speaking too fast and it just too obscure so thank god i knew a little bit about the plot of hamlet beforehand otherwise i would not have understood this movie at all prepare to have your face blasted off with a fire hose of word salad yeah yeah then we have eileen hurley who plays gertrude uh she's the late king's widow and also the new king claudius's uh, new bride who was 29 at the time of filming and i had it in my fun facts all right i'm sorry <laughs> i'm just i'm a little dazed sitting in this flaming wreckage of my life <laughs> i know after watching this <laughs> i know we have Laurence olivier who plays hamlet prince of denmark norman woodland plays hamlet's friend horatio felix Hilmer 
plays Polonius. He is the Lord Chamberlain. Which I don't think they ever say that. They never, no, they never say what his title is. You kind of understand that he's one of the king's counselors, but you don't know what his official title is. He's in some sort of advisory role. This movie relies on you already having a lot of knowledge of Hamlet. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it it definitely. It doesn't tell you fuck about shit. It definitely counts uh, on you having read the the play beforehand. Of course, we've all read the, the entire works of Shakespeare. I mean, it's part of the canon of uh, British and American literature, right? We have Terence Morgan, who plays the Chamberlain's son. His name is Lartis. Laertes. Laertes, okay. While uh, Jean Simmons plays his daughter, whose name is Ophelia. Ophelia Bedelia. We have John Lowry, who plays Francisco. Who the hell's that? <laughs> He's one of the kind of like guards at the beginning. Oh, sure. <laughs> There's just the three the three characters here have way more action and way more of a role in the play than they do in the movie. Yeah, that was the only actual criticism this movie got is that they cut some of the stuff out of the play. And brothers and sisters, that is not the problem with this. <laughs> all right, all right. Let me finish. All right. Esmond Knight plays Bernardo, and Anthony Quayle plays Marcellus. These three are friends and uh, counselors of young Hamlet. They have way more of way more importance in the play than they do in the movie, because they barely speak in the movie. Yeah, I don't I, even think I that Francisco and, and Bernardo have any lines. I had no idea who you were talking about when you started naming <laughs> these guys. Yep. Yep. All right, some fun facts. I didn't go too deep because also I was not very interested about this movie. And I also didn't find very many fun facts uh, about the movie. So it was the first British film to win Best Picture Award. And it is the first sound film adaptation of the play. It was apparently very controversial at the time. And it, it is still now. Because of all the modifications that Olivier did to the plot by cutting a substantial amount of the political plot that is in the original play. He did so because the play itself takes over four hours and he needed to cut it shorter to fit the movie format. What kind of masochist (laughs) sit through four hours of this? Yeah. I honestly don't know. I've never been a theater person. Anytime that they try to take us to the theater to watch plays when I was a kid in, in France, when in middle school and high school, when they would take us, I always ended up just falling asleep. I've never been a theater person. The so. kind of person who enjoys this is the kind of person who had fun once when they were 23 years old and never did it again because they didn't like it. <laughs> I noted that one critic named Milton Shulman wrote for the Evening Standard that, I quote, To some, it will be one of the greatest films ever made. To others, a deep disappointment. Laurence Olivier leaves no doubt that he is one of our greatest living actors, but his liberties with the text, however, are sure to disturb many. Yep. Uh, Unquote. Uh, Greatest 
living actor. Exactly uh, what I said. One of the greatest pants shitters of our generation. Yeah. He was not good in Rebecca when we saw him. He could barely emote. And in this one, he either barely emotes or emotes too much. Way too much. Just fling himself all just writhing on the floor. Yeah. Draping himself over chairs and overacting. It's like it's clear that he's a theater actor and that does not translate well to acting in a movie no it's so goofy and dumb and just shatters any sort of immersion or disbelief it just i my recurring feeling watching was this was like i can't believe grown adults worked on this yeah and how many grown adults worked on this and thought it was a good idea and put it out (laughs) boggles my mind still uh like you said you started uh, saying it Eileen Hurley, who plays Hamlet's mother in the movie, she was 29 at the time of filming. And Laurence Olivier, who plays her son, was 40. He's one of those time travel babies. And Just on every level, this movie's terrible. <laughs> and Laurence Olivier took the liberty to really highlight Hamlet's Oedipus complex by adding scenes in which Hamlet kisses his mother on the lips, both very lovingly and at length. Yep, multiple mom makeout sessions in this movie. Fucking disgusting. Art. Art, you Philistine. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Don't you get the deep subtext of this man making out with his mother? This is art. (laughs) And finally, well... Second to last, fun fact, the movie was nominated for seven Academy Awards, including Best Director, no. Best Supporting Actress, no. Best Score for a Dramatic or Comedy Picture, eh. Comedy Picture. Unintentional Comedy. <laughs> yeah. And it won four Academy Awards for Best Picture, no. Best Actor for Laurence Olivier. Oh my God. Best art direction, set direction in black and white. I I can see it. And best (laughs) costume design for a movie in black and white. Sure. I mean, the costumes are all impressive. Goofy as as shit, but they're impressive. A lot of work went into them. (laughs) Yeah, sure. And then the losers bracket for that year for 1948 includes Johnny Belinda, The Red Shoes, the Snake Pit. The Snake Pit? That sounds rad. And The Treasure of the Sierra Madre. The D, any of the above. I'll take anything over this. <laughs> I, I will, yeah, I would even go as far as taking The Snake Pit. As dreadful as it sounds, I will take anything over Hamlet. God. All right, let's get on with this. The plot. Yeah, such as it is. We have a, a big gong being struck for the opening, and then the credits over waves crashing against the shore. At least uh, we're out of the, the beige carpet limbo we've been yeah. stuck in for the past three movies. Yeah. Uh, then an aerial shot of a mist-shrouded fortress, and Mr. Olivier narrating, So oft it chances, in particular men, that through some vicious mole of nature in them, by the o'ergrowth of some complexion, oft breaking down the pales and forts of reason, or by some habit grown too much, that these men, carrying, I say, the stamp of one defect, their virtues else be, they as pure as grace, shall in the general censure take corruption from that particular fault. This is the tragedy." 
of a man who could not make up his mind. What the hell does any of that mean? I have <laughs> no goddamn clue. Ugh. I I think I even said it at the when this ended and when the the words came off the came off the screen. I was like, "What on earth is this supposed to be describing?" Yeah, I will try not to beat this horse too much, but this is one of my main complaints with the whole thing. Is it is it's just words. It's just words strung together like you're in a, a goddamn washing machine full yeah. of flowery language. I, I get that it's archaic and uh, Shakespeare uh, perhaps spoke in a way that other people don't. But just because it's uh, complicated and obtuse does not mean it's actually good. Yeah. Uh, as the camera slowly zooms into Hamlet's body being held by four men on the roof of one of the castle towers. Uh, the camera retreats, the men and the body disappear, and we're in the past on the same rooftop watching the change of the guard at night. Horatio joins uh, the new watch, and the guards gossip about how people have been seeing the ghost of the old king at night. Horatio doesn't believe it and has come to prove it's not true. Except it is true, and the ghost king almost immediately pops in to say hi. And we're going to shit on this movie a lot, but I will give it credit where credit is due. This Ghost King is cool. Yeah, the Ghost King was actually well done, I think. Yeah, the Ghost King uh, has a neat uh, costume. He's well designed. His face is all uh, gross and zombie looking. He's, he's shrouded in mist. He is suitably spooky. He has uh, a sound effect that accompanies him that apparently Laurence Olivier put a lot of time and effort into creating. Yeah, he was a, he recorded the voice. Yeah, he is the voice of the king, and he also made the sound effect, which I believe he said he wanted it to sound like the lid of hell opening, and it's a combination of uh, like women screaming and uh, squeaky doors opening. It's kind of like the, the Law and Order sound. The it, lid of hell? Opening, yes. Jesus Christ. Yes. The, everyone in this movie is, is is so in love with the smell of their own farts. <laughs> it is ridiculous. What were you going to say about Law and Order? Oh, it's like the sound effect from Law and Order, the like the dung dung and, and how that's made up of like a dozen different sounds smushed together too. Huh. Horatio implores the specter to speak and tell them what it wants, but it disappears back into the mist it came from without a single word. Horatio and the guards talk about what it all means for a good 73 minutes, and then we get 30 to 40 seconds of the camera moving through different empty rooms in the castle before finally settling on a meeting of the king and queen and other nobles. We get... It moves down through the rooms. There is some interesting camera work in this movie, too. It moves down through the rooms, and we see an empty bed, which is one of the recurring visual mm -hmm. motifs in this film, because on top of all the, the dipshit flowery language that means absolutely fucking nothing, there's also this uh, pretentious layer of, oh, well, it's a metaphor for Hamlet's broken psyche. So I'm sure the, the empty bed, because I think it's the queen's bed, so. has something to do with the, uh, oh, the, uh, yeah, the Oedipus complex overtones of the whole, blah, 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 you know, more dipshit pretentious nonsense. We see the bed a lot. And we see it. Yeah, at, at, it comes back at the end. Yeah, we yeah. see it as the, the camera moves down. Yeah. The king monologues about God knows what for a while and then asks Ophelia's brother why he's at the meeting. This this meeting is like happening in a void. It's it, this giant cavernous room and it feels very the whole thing the whole movie feels very isolated in a way. Like there's such a this tiny cast of characters and they never interact with anyone outside the castle. Yeah. It's like the entire king's court consists of like six people. 
and they just have their meetings in this giant empty castle. It's like a bunch of crazy people just trapped in their playhouse. Right. Well, it adds to the madness of the whole thing, I'm sure is the excuse. Mm. Uh, so he asks Ophelia's brother why he's at the meeting, and Ophelia's brother is at the meeting because he wants permission to return to France. And the king says he's okay with it uh, if Laertes' dad is okay with it. Then the king turns his attention to uh, our cousin and our son, Hamlet, he mm. says. How is it the clouds still hang on you? Uh, Hamlet is too busy moping in his director's chair to answer, so the queen monologues at him, and then he monologues back. He's he's sitting away from the table and just moping, just staring at the floor, yeah. <laughs> just staring away from, uh, sitting away from people, staring away from them. Hamlet throughout this movie has the uh, dispensation of an edgy teenager, mm. where he's just moping and like, God, no one understands me, <laughs> and just looking at the floor and uh, yeah, waxing philosophical about all kinds of bullshit. Uh, the gist is that he's sad his dad is dead and also not happy everyone else has moved on so quickly and that his mom is already married again because it's been two months, I think. Two two months or two weeks? I can't remember. I think it's two months, two months. since his dad has died. And, and nobody's uh, having a big sad about it like he is. Yeah. And that makes him have an even bigger sad. Hmm. Uh, the king tells him to get over it, but this is Hamlet, so he takes five minutes to do that, to tell him that, and says a bunch of shit about mourning and sorrow and Hamlet being next in line for the throne. The queen kisses Hamlet lovingly on the mouth, the first of many, uh. Uh, and the royal couple depart to loud trumpeted fanfare, leaving Hamlet alone to brood. We get a close-up shot of his face as he complains about what a tramp his mom is. Uh, not even two months my father is in the ground and she has gone to these incestuous sheets. Mm -hmm. He says there's a lot of talk of incestuous sheets in this movie. Which I didn't really understand why he qualifies it as incestuous. Like it's not like... Because her current husband is her previous husband's brother. Sure, but they're not... I know. They're not related by blood. It's, it is tenuous incest. Yeah. Yeah. His real problem is that he wants to be the one to bang his mom. Of course. It's the wrong incestuous sheets, <laughs> says Hamlet. Uh, and then he gets up and paces around the room as the complaining goes on and on and on and on. And he like uh, rides against like the, the pillars in the room and just uh, wiggles and squirms and yeah, woe is me. And says a bunch of archaic flowery language. Yeah. Then we see Ophelia's brother entering a room to talk to Ophelia herself, who is reading a letter from Hamlet. He gently warns her not to get caught up in the perfume of a moment or lose her virtue because she's too low class for Hamlet to actually be able to marry, I guess. I don't... A lot of characters warn her against being in a relationship with Hamlet, yeah. but are never clear about why, because no one in this entire goddamn movie is clear about anything they say. Yeah, I think it's because she's the daughter of the Lord Chamberlain, maybe. Your guess is as yeah. good as mine. And there's a, I don't, it becomes a, a point of contention later on in the movie that Hamlet is insane, but I don't know if they're banging that particular drum at this early point. And it hasn't become very clear as of yet in the movie, so it wouldn't have really anything to, to play. It wouldn't have to be be of importance at that point then their dad polonius comes along and starts rambling about how to be a virtuous man and also tells ophelia that hamlet is no good uh, though doesn't say why yeah he just gives like a five minute uh, discourse on uh, how to live honorably because at any given second in this movie anyone could just break out into a monologue about any given topic does it logically connect to anything else that's been said previously 
Hell no. <laughs> uh, Ophelia looks longingly down a hallway at Hamlet, and her dad uh, yells at her from a nearby room that he just told her to knock that shit off. Uh, then we go to Hamlet as Horatio and the guards tell him about seeing the ghost. What looked he, says Hamlet, frowningly? <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. I, I'm happy that it, that you did the synopsis because I would not have been able to get a word out of what they were saying. Yeah. Oh, isn't it cool and awesome and thought-provoking how they can find the most dipshit way to say anything possible? How looked he? Frowningly? Uh, do you mean to ask if he looked sad? Yes, he looked ha sad, you fucking weirdo. <laughs> Horatio confirms he looked more sad than angry. Hamlet says he'll be up tonight to check it out. Uh, he suspects that treachery is afoot. Then we get a shot of waves crashing against the cliff uh, the castle sits on and the miscloaked battlements. Uh, then Hamlet talks shit about a party that is happening down below in the castle to the guards while they wait for the ghost. I have no idea what this has to do with anything or what he even really said about it. You remember that shot where they're just looking down a courtyard? I think I it was sort of a not a wedding reception for his mother and the and Claudius, but I think they're they were celebrating the uh, their wedding. I, I think it's supposed he's supposed to be making some point about the corrupted morals of the times and mm. drunken revelry and how it's all going shit. I think I think because I don't know anything about what anyone says for sure in this movie. Uh, then the camera gets blurry and the wailing uh, and heartbeat stop because the ghost king, he also has this uh, this interesting visual trick uh, that that cues up his uh, arrival where the, the camera gets a little blurry and mm -hmm. like wavery like you're looking through water. And then there's a, a loud heartbeat and the, yeah. the screen actually pulses, yeah. which is a cool effect, I will admit. So we get that again and uh, <laughs> look, my lord, it comes, shouts Horatio. <laughs> Uh, and Hamlet collapses into the arms of the guards. He he melodramatically, uh, like he has a case of the vapors, and the guards have to hold him up. It's too much for his delicate uh, constitution. Be thou a spirit of hell or goblin damned? Inquires Hamlet. Goblin damned. A goblin damned? Oh, gosh. The ghost beckons him to come closer, and he does against the protests of the others. My fate cries out to me, he says. We have this whole thing about how the the guards and Horatio are all uh, grabbing onto one of his arms and he's pulling against them and it's it's just dumb. It's just dumb. This whole thing is dumb. I don't even remember how he breaks out because there are, there are three of them against one of him, so I don't remember how. His, I think he takes out his sword and yes. kind of gestures towards yeah, he, them as if he was going to attack them if he, they didn't let him go. He waves it drunkenly in their direction. My fate cries out to me, he says as they try to hold him back. I say away! And he pulls his sword and walks towards the spirit. A shot of him walking up a shadowy spiral stairs as fog rolls over at his feet. It's a cool shot, too. There's some cool shots in this movie. Uh, he gets to the top and meets the ghost who tells him he was murdered. Haste me to know it, says Hamlet, that I with wings as swift as meditation of the thoughts of love may sweep to my revenge. The ghost tells him it was the current king that did it by pouring hemlock in his ear while he was napping in the garden and then fades into the mist, groaning, remember me. And Hamlet collapses backwards onto the roof as the camera pulls back away into the sky. Ah, another case of the vapors. 
Clouds pass over the screen, and then we're back down on the roof as Hamlet crawls around on his knees and yells while waving his sword at the sky. What is he yelling about? I have no goddamn idea. He comes back down, and Horatio and the guards want to know what happened. I also think this is the one of the, the monologues where he finishes by like just sticking his sword into the top of the roof. I think, I believe so. Yeah, just sticking it into the stone like it's made out of butter. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Hamlet doesn't tell them what happened, but he does yell some more and make them swear on his sword to not tell anyone he's talked to a ghost. Uh, they swear. Uh, and this is uh, where we get the, there are more things in heaven and earth, my dear Horatio line, because Horatio uh, does not. I don't know why it's directed to Horatio. Horatio's already seen the ghost. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> Fade to a, a close-up of Ophelia as she narrates and tells us that she was sewing in her closet when she is approached by Hamlet, his doublet all unlaced, with a look so piteous in purport as if he had been loosed out of hell to speak of its horrors. And by closet, she just means a room. Yeah. This is in the, the same vein as uh, British people calling the bathroom a water closet. <laughs> Uh, he takes her by the wrist and holds her hard, looks at her intently, sighs, and leaves. From there we go to Ophelia's father telling the king and queen that Hamlet is nuts. Uh, you think? Uh, and not just a little, like top-level nuts, completely off his rocker, cuckoo bananas insane. Uh, you sure? Says the queen. Swear to God, bro, says Ophelia's dad. <laughs> Uh, his proof is a letter Hamlet has written to Ophelia. They go on and on and on and on and on and on and on about it, finally hatching a plan to catch Hamlet in his madness by uh, watching as he talks to Ophelia. I don't understand how this letter is proof of his madness. I don't understand how watching him talk to Ophelia is going to catch him in this trap. Do we ever know what the content of that letter is? I mean, they say it, but <laughs> it's as uh, inscrutable as everything else they say, so... Hamlet, who is hiding at the top of the stairs behind a pillar, hears the whole conversation and then walks out with a book and pretends to be crazy for shits and giggles, I guess. This is the scene where Polonius like runs back and forth comedically like a little child in between Hamlet and the, the king and queen. Yeah. He'll like talk to Hamlet for a, a few monologues and then he'll run back and just report to the king and queen who are in the same room like 10 feet away. Yeah, so they could hear everything. Yes, he'll run back and like uh, whisper shout out the side of his mouth like, the conversation is going better than I thought. He's still kind of fucking crazy though. And then he'll just run back to Hamlet and continue. Which is you know, something that makes sense if you're on stage in a theater because there's limited space and you run back and forth and that's just theatrical effects but yeah. here it just felt out of place yes there are limitations to a theater performance due to the logistics of ha of it having to be performed on a single stage but they stick to them uh, to the detriment of this movie yeah. because it's tradition uh, in the next scene, Ophelia has been set out as bait and her father and the king hide behind a tapestry while they wait for Hamlet to show up uh, they don't have to wait long as Hamlet enters and slowly walks around the room, trailing a hand on the tapestry and uh, then throwing the book he was holding over his shoulder. He was just walking around with a book in one hand and he just like casually tosses it over his shoulder and it lands on the floor with a thud. And Ophelia is kneeling at this kind of altar, I guess, yeah. in the middle of the room. A lot of these sets, because they're framed as being like sets, mm -hmm. right? They're very cavernous and empty. I think it was actually shot in a real castle, or that they uh, they shot part of it in a real castle. Yeah, that makes sense too. Just talking about like how the camera is positioned in a way to make them 
yeah, look like you're you're viewing it on a, a theater stage. Yeah. And yeah, there's not a lot of ornamentation or decoration in any of the sets. Mm-hmm. It's these giant empty rooms with usually like a comedically small chair for people to sit in and like a single detail like this altar in this scene. Uh, so she's kneeling at this altar with uh, a book of her own and Hamlet walks up and he slams his hand down on the book Ophelia is reading and his opening line to her is, Nymph, in thy origins be all my sins remembered. <laughs> Good, my lord, replies Ophelia. <laughs> it's... The people in this movie, they don't talk to each other. They just take turns saying things. Yeah. And it drove me insane. Yeah, because you don't feel like there's a real dialogue going on. No! It's just people taking turns saying their lines. They say what they have to say, but it just doesn't make sense together. No, there's no logic. There's no interaction. There's there's nothing. There's nothing. This is just emptiness. Uh, she then tries to return some jewelry he gifted her in the past. Uh, get thee to a nunnery, says Hamlet. Mm-hmm. He asks her where her dad is. Uh, she lies because he knows he's behind the tapestry, I think. Uh, and he throws her down and yells at her a bunch, like very violently on s- a stone staircase. Yeah, when she fell on the on the staircase, like it, it definitely looked like the actress uh, really hit her head on the stones. Yeah, and he goes up the staircase to walk away, like, yelling in Shakespearean insults at her. And then she's all weepy and, and mewling about this. And then he runs back down the stairs and launches into another uh, screaming monologue. Yeah. And he says, You jade, you amble, you lisp, you nickname God's creatures and make your wantedness your ignorance. What? <laughs> what? Your guess is as good as mine. Uh, He runs up the stairs and Ophelia runs after and grabs at him, but he throws her down the stairs and screams that all marriages are now illegal. (laughs) Uh, He leaves, Ophelia weeps, and the king comes out from the tapestry and says, well, he doesn't sound crazy to me. (laughs) That is, I'm not goofing. They say, oh, well, after seeing that, he sounds sane. Maybe I'm wrong about this. (laughs) Just in case we'll send him to England, though. Uh, Then we get repeating shots of the camera moving uh, quickly up a spiral staircase. This is supposed to represent uh, Hamlet's descent into madness, even though the camera is going up the stairs. (laughs) Uh, And then we see Hamlet uh, sitting on one of the tower walls and we get the line everybody knows and loves to To be be or not not to be. be. That is the question. Uh, and he sits there, yes, having this contemplation on, and he's like twirling a, a dagger in between his fingers, uh, to die, to sleep, to sleep, perchance to dream. <laughs> That's exactly the way he says it. <laughs> and then he falls off the, the, the stone he's sitting on. It, are, are, aren't we enjoying ourselves? Isn't this good, meaningful art? <laughs> perchance to dream. He drops the knife into the ocean uh, and wanders into the mist. Uh, we next see Hamlet sitting in his director's chair in a black void, and Ophelia's father approaches him and tells him uh, the actors have arrived. Hold on, hold on. As he's playing with the dagger in this scene, and he's saying the, you know, to be or not to be, are we supposed to understand that he's contemplating suicide? Yeah, that's what I got from it. Okay. But then he throws the the knife off the, the wall instead of himself to everyone's disappointment. So he tells him that the actors have arrived. Uh, a troop of actors do indeed arrive, just walking out of the black void. 
Uh, and Hamlet greets them happily, telling one that her ladyship is nearer to heaven than when I last saw you, which is how you say that someone is taller in Shakespearean in talk. <laughs> Ophelia's father says he will use them according to their dessert. And Hamlet responds, use every man after his dessert and who shall scape whipping? <laughs> what? What? Cool. Cool, Hamlet. Thanks. Uh, most of the actors leave, but Hamlet stops the leader, I guess, because nothing is explicitly stated in this movie, mm -hmm. uh, and asks if uh, the man knows how to play the murder of Gonzago. I, my lord, he replies. Hamlet says they'll do it tomorrow then, with some extra lines he added. Then we get a shot of a spotlight on a small stage, and Hamlet runs and jumps onto it, spins around with arms uh, out like a helicopter, and shouts, The play's the thing wherein I'll catch the conscience of the king! And he raises his sword to the sky. Uh, and trumpets blare after he says this. Then we get a scene of Hamlet uh, watching the actors rehearse and monologuing at length about the proper way to act. He... In one of the greatest moments of irony in cinema history, he uh, complains about uh, the proper way to act and uh, be careful not to overact. Mm. Fucking rich. <laughs> Coming from you, Mr. Olivier. Uh, the king and queen then come down to see the play, and the king asks how Hamlet is doing. Uh, his response, Excellent in faith of the chameleon's dish. I eat the air, promise crammed. You cannot feed Capron so. <laughs> does any of that mean <laughs> nothing absolutely i don't know nothing. and no one knows no one knows what this shit means this is that kind of art that gets awards because no one can decipher what the fuck it means and they don't want to admit that yeah so oh yes I, oh great yes yes love it well and also it's you know it's shakespeare so even if we're well, in America and the awards are being given by an American like film society and all that, like it's still sort of, I guess, has to respect, quote unquote, the canon. And that's exactly what Shakespeare represents. It's like, well, it's old. It must be good. Yeah. God. It's the, the kind of things that, you know, that yeah, everybody, not everybody, but like that you would be put on on lists. I mean, a lot of his plays were on the reading list for my undergrad. Like, I remember my first year, we had to read a certain amount of books and be tested and questioned about them. And obviously, like, a lot of the like theater lists was, you know, Romeo and Juliet and The Tempest and Hamlet and just a lot of, yeah, yeah Shakespeare. The praise for this does not come from actual love of the material. It comes from the fear of being labeled a Philistine for not liking it. Yeah terrible the play then starts and it's a recreation of the king poisoning hamlet's father because when the ghost tells him about how he was poisoned we get this little flashback to it of the king mm -hmm. just taking a nap in the garden and yeah. his brother walking up and just dumping a little uh, a vial of hemlock in his ear and then the, the king falling off the bench and you know grasping at the heavens and so this play is just an exact recreation of, of that happening uh, while the play is happening, the current king squirms in his chair and huffs and puffs, finally leaping up, putting both hands over his eyes and screaming, Give me some light! Because 
that's how people react. That This is how normal sane people react when they see something. In reality, the king would have watched this, said, huh, that was a great play. Then he would have walked over to one of his guards and say, hey, can you fucking kill Hamlet sometime in the next week? <laughs> great, cool, thanks. Not jump up and scream that he needs some air and squirm and sweat. Like, it is the most, like, a five-year-old could tell this motherfucker's guilty. Yeah. Like, this is stupid. <laughs> okay, I'm going to stop you here and just trying to make something, like, clear for the audience. How much until this point have you cut from the movie? Because I feel like there's this, so much this, that we skipped over. No, not really. Nothing. No? Of, nothing of substance. I mean, I'm not giving any of the monologues. Right. Uh, all the pointless dipshit monologues. This is really the only actual important to the plot stuff that happens. Okay. This this is a very bare bones plot that gets padded out by all the fucking monologues about nothing. Did you make it to the point in your your synopsis to where we get to hear about Ophelia's death or any of that stuff? I mean, I say that it happens. Okay. We will get there, yeah. All right. So, sorry to interrupt. I just felt like there was a, a bunch that was just cut and I didn't know how much you did cut. It's just, how does anyone take this seriously? This is... This is not how humans behave. No. After he screams uh, to give him some light, Hamlet puts a torch near his face and the king pushes him away and all hell breaks loose with the crowd running around and screaming. It, and, and loud music, like panicky music starts to play and we get these quick shots of, you know, like uh, the camera at ground level watching all the, the feet scurry around and mm -hmm. then a higher shot of watching the crowd disperse and all the, all the, the high born ladies screaming and, and fainting and it just becomes instantly pandemonium and it's just it's just silly. <laughs> Once the dust finally settles, Ophelia's dad tells Hamlet that the queen would like to speak to him, to which Hamlet responds, Does not yawn cloud look like a camel? And this, audience, is the point where my brain snapped in half. <laughs> like, the, the level of absurdity and this, this movie is like watching crazy people. It's like watching fucking crazy people. And the fact that this won so many awards and was lauded like not just Shakespeare, humans as a species are dumb. We're just dumb. <laughs> all right. All right. Slow down. Not everybody. Yes, everybody. Me, <laughs> no. most, me most of all. This movie... It just shows just a, a really bad taste for what art is. A, a taste I, I cannot wrap my head around how anyone sits through two and a half hours of things like this and says, yeah, that was a good movie. <laughs> I, I literally cannot comprehend it. This is alien to me. So he says, does not yon cloud look like a camel? Uh, does it not perchance look like a whale? Ophelia Sr. agrees that it does, uh, and Hamlet says he'll go talk to his mom then. Next, we see Ophelia's dad telling the king that uh, he's going to hide behind a curtain in the queen's room so he can hear what Hamlet says and report back later. Mm. He leaves, uh, and the king feels bad about killing his brother and prays about it. While he's praying, Hamlet sneaks up behind him with a knife, 
but decides not to stab him uh, after looking at the goofy statue of Jesus on the altar. <laughs> it looks it looks like a a, a piece of a clay statue that uh, like a five year old made. It's uh, disproportioned and too tall and skinny and just and goofy and dumb looking. Uh, and it's the only thing really in the entire movie where that sort of fits the beginning monologue about you know a man who can't make up his mind like to me like he can't decide whether to kill his uncle or not yeah i i think the actual reason he gives is that it would he'll have a more opportune moment later or Mm. that he wants to ruin the king's reputation before he does it because yeah that whole thing about being a story about a man not able to make up his mind hamlet is pretty laser focused on Mm. on screwing the king over and being mad about his dad dad this entire thing yeah uh, then he goes up to talk to his mom, who tries to walk away as soon as the talk starts, but Hamlet grabs her arm and hurls her onto the bed, uh, putting his knife at her throat. Uh, the queen yells for help, and the curtain that Ophelia's dad is behind begins to move, and you can like hear his muffled shouting uh, behind it. Hamlet notices the moving curtain and yells, Dead for a ducat! And stabs the curtain. Or a ducat, I think he pronounces it. Dead for a ducat! And then he stabs the tapestry. What the fuck is a ducat? Who can say? Uh, And he stabs the curtain, killing uh, Dad Ophelia. Then he joins the queen on her bed and tries to shame her by comparing the picture of his dad he carries around his neck with the picture of the king she carries around hers. See what grace was seated on his brow, he says of the picture uh, he carries around his neck of his dead dad. You get to see this picture later in the movie. It's like a it's like a, a, a scribbled cartoon of him. It is uh, cartoonishly silly looking and he just he holds it next to the picture of hers and yeah just uh monologues for about seven hours about how cooler his dad was than her current husband love it (laughs) Uh, he then collapses onto the floor and sees the ghost king again asking his mother if she sees it too she does not Uh, this is the scene where he's just writhing around on the floor and like ah the specter of my father that, that's verbatim what he says. <laughs> then Hamlet tells his mom she's not allowed to have sex with her current husband, uh, makes out with her a bit, lays his head on her lap, and then drags the corpse out of the room with a cheerful, good night, mother. Mm. What is this? <laughs> what is this movie? It was one of the most ridiculous scenes I've ever seen in a movie or in a play or in any kind of like entertainment like this. Yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> a next scene is Hamlet telling the king that he killed Polonius and the king saying he should probably go to England now. Hamlet agrees. Next is scenes of Ophelia alternatively weeping, singing, writhing around on the floor, uh, sometimes all three at once. It's like, why is she singing all of a sudden? Like, is she? It's like she can't speak anymore. She's just singing everything. Well, she has been traumatized by the death of her father, and uh, the Shakespearean understanding of madness is that people just become like living specters. She's just a ghost, basically, now, because she wanders around singing. And no one reacts to this appropriately, because no one reacts appropriately to anything that happens in this movie. But she just wanders around singing, and people see and, like, move out of the way of her and are like, oh, poor Ophelia. No one tries to help. No one asks her if she's okay. 
They don't have an understanding of what trauma is. No, no one in this movie behaves like a human. So what am I supposed to, as a human myself, I think, how am I supposed to <laughs> relate to anything I'm watching when it's it's like watching lizard people? A little digression here, but I'll say it on record. You're definitely way better at being a human being than most people are. So, yeah, I don't understand how we're supposed to relate to any of these characters and what they're going through because it's just depicted as going nuts, which is not necessarily what they're uh, what they're doing, but it, that's what it's uh, depicted as. I know another one of the the dumb shit pretentious arguments for this movie would be like, oh, it's it's thematically consistent with uh, Hamlet's descent into madness. That's why everything is crazy. Maybe it's from his perspective. But hey, you know when you make your movie incomprehensible and crazy as a, a, a theme, it doesn't change the fact that it's incomprehensible and crazy. Yeah. Okay, after uh, we see Ophelia uh, being crazy, Horatio gets a letter from Hamlet, uh, who just wants him to know that he's been kidnapped by pirates. And what was the point of that? Nothing. By the way, I've been kidnapped by pirates, but they're kind pirates, so they bring him home. (laughs) Madness. Madness. Well, yeah. Hey, this movie works perfectly because if it wants you to understand what insanity is, because it's driving me insane. (laughs) Uh, Could Horatio pick him up from the airport, please? Uh, Then Ophelia's brother returns, and he sees the sorry state Ophelia's in. He doesn't do a goddamn thing to help her, though. No, he's just witnessing it. Oh, Just like everyone else, he just comments on what's happening. Nobody in this movie actually interacts with each other. They take turns saying their lines, and they just comment on what's happening without actually, like, participating in what's happening. It's like they themselves are the audience. It's weird. Yeah, it's like they're, I mean, they're spectators of their own play, which, I mean, in a way... They were spectators of their own play when uh, there was a, the play within the play. So so he's not happy about uh, how she is. Then uh, we get a scene of a, a river with narration over it. And Ophelia floats down the river while singing. And we're told by that narration that she drowns. But it seemed to me she, like she was doing very, uh, she was doing fine. Uh, you know, laying on her back, she was floating. Yeah, she was floating. No reason. That river didn't seem no. nearly... Like deep enough for anybody to drown in it, so. Well, you could you could drown in a teaspoon of water, did you know that? <laughs> <laughs> I love all your voice effects. Ugh. Uh, cut to a man digging a grave, and Hamlet and Horatio wander up and talk to him for way too fucking long about absolutely fucking nothing. Par for the course in this movie. Another rare instance of uh, giving credit something this a movie does well there's there's one good shot when they walk up where the grave digger he puts a skull outside the grave and then hamlet walks up and you just see his shadow and uh, uh his head shadow perfectly overlaps with that of the skull so the skull is just sitting sitting uh perfectly framed in the shadow of his head oh i had not seen that that was good framing it was a good shot <laughs> let it not be said that i don't give credit where credit is due <laughs> You get one good point. You get one one gleaming second of artistic vision in this shitstorm of nonsense. 
uh, Hamlet and Horatio then hear the funeral procession approaching and hide behind a, a nearby mausoleum. Uh, this is uh, the scene where he says, alas, poor York, I knew him well. He, yeah. ha- uh, Hamlet picks up the skull and uh, just talks about how he knew the guy when he was alive. And uh, I used to ride on his back and these were the lips that joked so merrily. He says he also kissed these lips. I mean, Hamlet will make out with anyone. <laughs> yeah, sure looks like it. Uh, prefers his mother, but will take anyone. <laughs> The funeral commences uh, and goes smoothly until Ophelia's brother loses his damn mind and jumps in the open grave and grabs her corpse and picks it up. Because he wants to hug her one last time. I guess. Like, I've, I've seen stuff in other fiction where people, like, throw themselves onto a, a casket or whatever, but they've never, like, picked up the corpse and danced with it like he does here. I mean, she's not in a casket or anything. No. She's about to be put into the ground, just, yep. just her body. No, they do. They put the, the yeah, just the raw body into yeah. the grave and then... And he jumps in and, and like picks it up. <clears throat> Hamlet takes that as his cue and jumps out from his hiding spot and gets in a, a shoving slash yelling match with the brother over who loved her more slash who exactly is the craziest guy here. Don't uh, don't steal my uh, mental illness spotlight, says <laughs> Hamlet. And also, yes, he starts yelling about how uh, the brother's love does uh, doesn't match even come close to the level of the love Hamlet had for her. And bullshit, Hamlet. In none of the scenes he's in with her, is there even the slightest whiff of affection or love? He just screams and monologues and pushes and yells at her. Tells her to get herself into a nunnery. Yeah, there's no... There's nothing between them. Yeah. And and here, I loved her 40 times more than you ever did. Like... It's one of those things where I wonder, A, about the content of the letter that he wrote her, and B, there's like, it just seems like there's background that we're missing from the the stuff that supposedly would have probably happened before the play even begins, and that we're missing as background information. I think this play was just written in a time before logic was invented. (laughs) Sure. All right, so they fight over who's the craziest guy here, uh, and Hamlet yells something about eating a crocodile, <laughs> proving once and for all that he is, in fact, the uh, he is the bull goose loony. Yeah. Two are pulled apart, and everyone leaves except for the king and Ophelia's brother. Uh, the king tells him that they need to chat about some things, and then we see them sitting alone in a big dark room, plotting how to kill Hamlet. The plan is this. Brosif will challenge Hamlet to a duel, and there will be poison on the tip of his blade. If he's not good enough to cut Hamlet, the king will offer Hamlet a poisoned drink as a reward for getting the first hit. Uh, So either way, this mofo is getting poisoned. Yes. After 10 minutes uh, of Hamlet and Horatio talking about God only knows what, the duel begins. And I'm 75% sure Hamlet makes some kind of apology to Brophelia before they start. I think so. 75% sure. Like I said, it, it looked like an apology. It's just a tumble dryer of words. We're in this cyclone of uh, 10 million ping pong balls. I think there's one red ping pong ball in there that's an apology. I may have missed it in the deluge of all the other nonsense that was being talked about, and like eating crocodiles and camels shaped like our clouds shaped like camels. Uh, then they smack swords a bit, uh, and Hamlet scores the first hit. The king hands Hamlet the poison victory drink, and, and Hamlet says, Not now, Uncle Dad, I'm fighting. The drink is given to a man who looks exactly like Ophelia's dead dad, who's standing right next to the queen. I did not catch this the first time we watched, but 
it may as well be his twin. Like, he's even wearing the same, like, big-ass collar the guy had. He has the exact same style of facial hair. I did not notice that. He's like a copy and paste. It, Whatever. Uh, and after Hamlet scores another hit, uh, the queen takes the cup and drinks from it. Oh, no! And there's some slight indication that she knows it's poisoned. I guess. We don't know how, but yeah, there's definitely some indication. Uh, for the purposes of, of drama. That's how yeah. she knows. Uh, the duel continues and Hamlet is getting all the hits. So in a moment of desperation, uh, Brother Man cuts his arm uh, in between sets. Because this is a very formal duel. So they're like fencing with each other yeah. and, and they'll like, oh, he scored a hit. And then they'll take a, a, a break and like reset to their initial positions and then go for another set. I think that what happened with the drink is that there was a, a pearl. Yes, the king had it. a poison pearl. So he takes a drink first Yes. to give himself plausible deniability and then he puts the poison pearl in yes, it. Yes, and I think she might have seen the pearl in it and knew that it was used for poison. Sure. <laughs> Sounds right. And then, yeah, the the fight is, the fight's okay. Yeah. Like the actual sword fight and choreography, they're supposed to be using blunted tips because you could see on the tip of, of Hamlet's sword, it's got like a tiny little metal ball on it. Yeah. But Laertes' sword actually has a tip on it. And then he... Uh, That's he, how he's able to cut. Yeah, he cuts Hamlet's arm when they're in between sets, like before Hamlet is ready. Mm -hmm. And then the crowd murmurs and uh, Hamlet scowls on him. And it's like, oh, it's very poor form. He, yeah. he uh, committed a very big social faux pas and he like immediately looks embarrassed and shamed about it. One of the few actual uh, interpersonal interactions of this movie I understood. Yeah, I just wasn't getting going quick enough for him. Yeah, he hits him before he's ready because he wasn't going to hit get a hit any other way. So he, he hits him while his back is turned. Yeah. Shameful. Hamlet looks slowly down at the wound and the crowd grumbles in its disapproval. Uh, during the next exchange, Hamlet knocks the sword from Brosama bin Laden's hand and upon picking it up, sees that it has a point, pointed tip instead of a blunted one. And he pokes it a bit. Hamlet uses the sharp sword himself the next round and ultimately stabs Rakowski in the wrist with it. Hamlet is now responsible for the death of every single member of this family. <laughs> he killed Polonius. Uh, he killed uh, Ophelia by just not giving a shit and causing her to have a mental breakdown. And now he's directly killed Laertes as well. At the same moment, the queen falls out of her chair from the other poison. Hamlet realizes she's been poisoned, yells treachery, and runs up the nearby stairs so he's standing above the crowd because this whole duel happens in this one of the, the most set-looking sets because it's, mm -hmm. just, it's just a little duel arena and a one single solitary staircase on the side of it leading up to a, a, a platform that's just elevated above the, the rest of the dueling area. Yeah. So he yells treachery and runs up to that uh, elevated platform. Uh, Bro Canada immediately spills the beans about the poison and points at the king. He did it. Him. That guy. The king, he says. <laughs> no, no honor among thieves here. Just as soon as Ham Hamlet says one word and the guy just goes, king did it. All his idea. Snaps like a twig. Uh, Hamlet looks at his sword, then at the king, then at his sword, then at the king. The edge is envenomed, he thinks. And then, Venom, do thy work, he screams as he eagle dives into the king from his perch. 
in a movie stuffed to the fucking gills full of dumb, goofy nonsense, watching this man, like, swan dive off this platform into the king, yelling, Venom, do thy work! That was... It was obviously not intentionally goofy, but it was a good goof. How... How... How can you react any other way to the things that happen in this movie? I will get into it when I'm done. We're almost there. <laughs> Hold on, everyone. We're almost there. We're almost out of this fucking desert. Uh, he screams as he eagle dives into the king from his perch. They roll around on the floor, and then Hamlet gets up and stabs the king a bunch. And it's uh, dramatic music sting, and uh, he plunges the blade down several times, and you get a shot of... Uh, the camera looking up at him while he plunges the sword down and then it, it switches quickly back and forth between him stabbing and the king being stabbed. Yeah. Except all the impact of this scene is completely undercut by the fact that he is uh, allegedly plunging this uh, blade deep into the king's body and there is not a single drop of blood nor even a single tear in the king's clothing. I mean, I think that might be like a, a remnant of like theater work. Yeah, it's you're all not supposed to have blood on stage. Yeah, it's all adhering to the trappings of theater, despite the fact that this is a movie and not theater. Yeah, I'm also not sure that you're supposed to have like blood in film at that time too, because of the production code. Uh, there was blood in the the next movie we watched, in the car crash. That's true. And also, don't you remember uh, All Quiet on the Western Front, that like that pair of hands that was just hanging off the razor wire? I don't know when the production code was put in place. Yeah, you're that right. That might some be something that we should look at. So the king dies, the queen dies, bro dies, and then Hamlet sits on the throne and dies. Uh, fucking finally, says Horatio, and orders some guards to carry the body to the top of the tower. Uh, he actually says, uh, good night, sweet prince and angels send thee to thy rest. Aww. Yeah, that's where that line comes from. Uh, so Can you repeat it a bit slower? Good night, sweet prince and angels sing thee to thy rest. Uh, so he orders some guards to carry the body uh, to the top of the tower. Uh, we watch them do so. Uh, and the the camera moves quickly up through the rooms. It's past all. We see the queen's bed again. Yeah. Oh, isn't it sad? He doesn't get to fuck the queen now because they're both dead. <laughs> And then the final shot is the first shot. The guards on the tower holding Hamlet's body as they prepare to dump it in the damn ocean and try to forget this whole mess. The end. Two and a half hours. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> like, I've said it already, but just... I, I cannot... It baffles me. This movie baffles me that anyone could even pretend to enjoy this that anyone could say with a straight face that this is good quality entertainment i don't know how any of the any of the people involved in the, the production company and all that like how they went along with it how did this get financed because i understand that Lawrence olivier had some like really good credit acting in under his belt yeah. and all that and he was popular but when you look at the script for this, how do you go along with it and say, yeah, this is going to be good? Yeah, this is quality. It's Shakespeare is like, it's an actor's thing. It's capital A acting, right? Actors love Shakespeare and no one else does because it gives them the opportunity to emote dramatically and memorize long, complicated speeches. So they love it. 
It's good training, but it's not necessarily good rep- representation. Because they're in love with the smell of their own farts. But hey, not everyone else is in love with the smell of your farts like you are, Lawrence <laughs> Olivier, Mr. Lawrence Olivier. So uh, it, it's definitely a movie to his own glorification. Yes, this thing is a h- enormous vanity project. Yeah. And all the actors in it are just shoving their performances down your throat so hard. And they all knew each other because oh, I was... Oh, of course re- they did. <laughs> when I was reading, you know, for the fun facts and to find out more information about the actors and all that, they were all actors that have been that have played in other plays with with Laurence Olivier and a lot of Shakespeare Laurence Olivier himself had already played Hamlet in three different theater productions yeah so this was like sort of the culmination of his career as Hamlet that he got to write the script and then direct the movie and also play in it. This was a vanity project for a pretentious douchebag and all his pretentious douchebag friends. <laughs> they shoved their performances so hard down the audience's throat. Every time anyone is on screen, it's just like, oh, aren't I acting so good? Don't you like my performance? Aren't I a artist? <laughs> Like, I just want to take these people aside because all the costumes are fucking goofy as shit, too. Like, most of them look like they're fucking Peter Pan. Yeah. Yeah. Like, tights and goofy frills and capes and they just they just look like morons. I just want to I just want to take one of the actors aside from this movie and go like, hey, 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 Mr. Olivier. Hey, hey. You understand you look like a fucking moron, right? Because you look like a fucking moron. <laughs> I don't think he would understand. No, he'd call me a Philistine and, and yeah. tell me that I don't understand the deep subtext of this absolute dipshit nonsense that no one can understand. <laughs> because th- this is for stupid rich people. Because the thing about being rich is that it's supposed to give you access to things that other people can't get. Yeah. Right? But art is available to everyone. So the way they have to make it exclusive for themselves is to make it uh, obtuse and incomprehensible and then pretend like they understand it. Well, then again, like yeah, theater, even movies, is not accessible to everyone. So, that yeah, that's another, it's a, another product, supposedly like cultural product that's made for a very specific audience. The movies that go to, that get nominated for Oscars and, and all that, like, they're not, I don't know exactly how to phrase it, but they're Highbr- particular kind of Highbrow art, yes. Yeah. This, this is the apex of that. Especially, I think, in that era. And some, to a certain extent nowadays, but yeah, there, there are certain kind of movies that are not accessible to everyone. Just the level of smugness and elitism and f- that surrounds this movie just like a cloud fart. It's, ugh, it's insufferable. Everyone in this movie is insufferable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, is, it is the highest highbrow art with a capital A you know, uh, fucking powdered wigs and Victorian dresses and extend your pinky while you drink. 
I I hate this kind of art because this isn't what art is. Well, what you come to art for is different for every person. But yeah. for me personally, what makes art so beautiful is the fact that it can be universal and connect people and can be human and make you feel things that everyone feels like think about the the vulnerability and the humanity of that scene in best years of our lives when homer parish reveals that he's helpless without his hands yeah. or uh, just the the warmth and love of the family in how green was my valley it, there's none of that in this this is just a barren wasteland of any sort of human feeling. Yeah. Like the characters, they don't behave like people. They don't interact like people. I said before, it is, I'm, and I'm not joking here. I'm not exaggerating. This Watching this movie is like watching crazy people. And I don't know what you're supposed to get or feel or appreciate about watching crazy people i have a little reservation about calling anything like crazy or just because it's you know people are not always oh this is crazy this is a a, a, a and, brand of mental illness reserved for the rich who get so far up their own ass that they don't know how to behave like people anymore yeah art to me is might be a little different from what you're looking for in art but yeah i love when there's genuine intention and and details i like when you see the tiny details that are put intentionally into art that can be the recurrence of a color or an object or like you said the some of the human interactions that we've seen in some of the movies that we've already watched I love, for example, when we watch we watch a lot of anime uh, together, and I love to see all the detail, uh, the attention, and the detail that's in the animation. That's a lot of the time beautiful, and yeah, I'm I pay more attention to a lot of the tiny little details, things that you would not catch from watching a movie or a TV series like just once that. Yeah, things that where you have to continuously rewatch to to catch all the little details that are that are put into it, and this was not it. Like it just felt like a, a dumpster fire. It just felt like two and a half hours where they just intentionally crammed as much dialogue as they could and as much obscurity as they could and just no attention was paid to actually making it make sense for people who don't know the play for spectators who would come at it with absolutely no knowledge of what hamlet is and there was no attention paid to uh, yeah to making it make sense and it just felt like it just felt like it was just made for the people who were in the movie, who were all theater actors themselves, and to glorify themselves on screen, to be maybe like immortalized as the characters that they were playing. Absolutely. But nothing, I, there was nothing else put into it. Watch us strut around like peacocks for two and a half hours. Yeah. Isn't it cool? Isn't it great? <laughs> Isn't this art? <laughs> yeah. It's a great point you bring up about anime because of 
the fact that uh, we both enjoy anime uh, means that we can both handle over-the-top melodrama. Yes. But even for us, this was just ridiculous. Like, just writhing around on the floor, hammy overacting. Well, more than anything in this movie is like, I can get behind the, you know, the extravagance of overacting and all that. I can't get behind dialogue that doesn't make sense together. If I can't understand what a what I'm supposed to get out of uh, the interactions, because you were uh, we were saying people in this movie are talking at each other. They're not talking together. They're not having like sensible or uh, comprehensible conversation. And yeah, I can't I can't get behind that. I can't uh, get behind the fact also that they're everybody in this movie is speaking way too fast for me to understand. And it's like, I know it's not necessarily a point that uh, would be brought up, but it's, if you want people to enjoy your movie, like, shouldn't you make sure that they actually understand what you're saying? And I also know it's not a point that, that they would care about, but this is a movie that's made at a time when it could potentially start to be uh, distributed to other countries and to people who understand the original language of the movie without having it uh, being dubbed or subtitled. Like, I... This would be a translation nightmare. It would be a translation nightmare, but for people who, like me, are fluent in English, it's still... It's a fucking nightmare to watch. Like, I was feeling completely lost in uh, watching the movie. I was like, do I actually speak and understand english because it doesn't feel like i do right now well that's part of the allure of shakespeare right it's ye olde english just because it's old and obtuse they seem to think that that's enough to make it quality but uh, it's not i've read some of the shakespearean plays in like in the original like old english and some in like translation and middle english and that and that's fine but it I don't know. There was just it just rubbed me the wrong way on on yeah, on so many levels. Oh, but he's a genius of iambic pentameter. <laughs> yeah, is it any good? Mm, he's a genius. <laughs> I'm not even going to say I'm glad that, that it's over. Like I wished we never had to wish to watch this movie. And like I understand that your dad, who watched it, also d- said that I, he's not even going to put it on his list because it's not worthy of being put on the list. I tried to warn him, Dad. I'm sorry <laughs> that you had to watch this. I told you not to because <laughs> it's so bad. This is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. I think and I'm gonna put it at my worst. I shudder. To think that I could ever watch a movie that is worse <laughs> than this. I mean, I'm not going to reveal the the title, but there's a movie that, or more like recent movie that you've told me would kind of be at the bottom of the your ranking for this podcast. Do you think that this is worse <sighs> than that movie? Yes. And I, I've, wow. I've, I've, sa- I've said it before, and I'll say it again. The real fight in this project is the bottom of the list. <laughs> I think Casablanca is going to sit pretty on top for a long time, maybe be there at the end. The real war is happening at the bottom. Yeah. 
with just how bad and pretentious and and how badly can we misunderstand what art is and what purpose it's supposed to serve yeah well just like casablanca is sitting at the top of both of our lists i think hamlet is sitting at the bottom of both of our lists bottom yeah hey gone with the wind was bad but at least it was a movie yeah it says something like i didn't think that any of the movies were going to be gone with the wind for the end of the my list but Good job, Hamlet. You've done it. At, yeah, at least the characters interacted with each other and there was a logic and emotion and, you know, things that humans do. Uh, bad, shitty humans, but humans. Yeah, this was all kinds of bad. Yeah, it's... I mean, I'm sure you've heard the line about monkeys and typewriters eventually making Shakespeare, right? No, I've never heard that. If you put enough monkeys... Uh, in a room with enough typewriters, eventually they will create Shakespeare, is the saying. They can, you can brute force it, right? <laughs> yeah. But the irony is, that seems to be the tact that Shakespeare himself is taking <laughs> with this, because he's just throwing every single combination of words you could possibly have. And some of them are good lines. Like, yeah. there's more in heaven and earth, Horatio, than is dem- dreamt of in your simple philosophy. Sure, great, understand it. Shakespeare is good for for pithy quotes like that, but when you actually engage with the entirety of the text that he puts down, it's just fucking word vomit. I, you know, okay, I'm gonna concede that yes, it's word vomit, but at the same time, knowing that Laurence Olivier cut so much out of the material, the original material, I wonder if there's like even an extra layer added by the fact that he cut so much of the original play. He cut the play, and also, we haven't talked about how gross it is that he added in all that mother makeout stuff. Yeah, that was disgusting. What is it with pretentious artists and incest? Why do they think that is deep and cool and interesting and an artsy thing to do? It's not, it's just gross. Uh, I mean, okay, hear me out. We're at, at the end of the 40s, like people like Jung and Freud and that's been it became like fairly popular the looking into psychoanalysis and, and all that and God, you're and right. psychotherapy that's the era when it it became fairly popular so adding that extra layer of oh we're going to represent the Oedipus complex and all that that I feel like that's a reason that's one of the reasons that he might have, have followed and and that he might have added those scenes in the movie to again be pretentious and hey i understand psychology and i understand uh, psychiatry and let's get this into this movie but it, right. it just ended up being gross and felt like it was out of place and out of touch you're a thousand percent right and i hate it <laughs> I didn't think I could dislike this movie anymore. Congratulations, you've made me hate it more. <laughs> Just added in this the the current stupid fad into it, yeah. into his vanity project. Yeah. Ugh. I hate it. I hate this movie. <laughs> well, we're done with it. Yep. Let's uh, never watch it again. Yeah. Let's never, never watch, think, or speak of it again. Anything else? The next movie 
is entitled All the King's Men. Yep, based on a Pulitzer Prize winning novel, which I read. Though I do not remember anything about it because I read it when I was about 15. Okay. But did you remember if the novel was good? Oh yeah, novel's good. Anything else? Mm, No, I think that's it. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. Until next time. Yeah, bye. Does not yon cloud look like a camel? (laughs) Fucking hate it. Okay, that's it, that's it, that's it.